It's time for the Diamond in the Rough podcast with your hosts, Dan Collins. Yeah, if you have an ERA over a dozen, then you're, you're not good at your job. And Sam Ostrowski. He smoked a little weed. You're going to tell me that was worth a 50-game suspension? Episode 3, Diamond in the Rough podcast. We are back. Dan Collins here alongside my co-host, Sam Ostrowski. And it's time to do one of the things we love to do the most, Sam, and that is talk minor league baseball prospects. Oh, we sure do. Hey, episode three. So we said it in episode two. If you made it to episode three, we really, really appreciate it. We're on you. third base now. Yeah, I got. Well, I got. Oh, well, we're gonna go much further than that. We're, we're, we're yes. just gonna keep going around the bases. Let's, but the next episode now is our first run. No, I guess all right. Yeah, fine. We'll, we'll make our way around the bases once, and then hopefully we'll we won't get discontinued by all of our lovely fans listening. And speaking of around the bases, we're gonna jump right in to this podcast episode three. We hope everybody enjoyed episode two. I'm gonna start by saying this one is going to be a lot shorter. Episode two, of course, uh, also included a fantastic interview with Nathan Believer, voice of the Peoria Chiefs. So that one ran the episode a little long. The episodes won't typically be as long as that one is, unless perhaps we do have another one of the interviews, which we plan along the way to have multiple interviews, not on a show-by-show basis, but we will have enough. We are in the process now, actually, of booking even future guests along the road. Stay tuned. Yeah, that's a little tease right there, Sam, in case you didn't catch that one. But this one no, is going to be more. It's going to be more of the standard episode. This one, and we're going to kick it off right away with going around the diamond, breaking down the latest news involving prospects. That's right. And as we continue to catch up, I think the most interesting trade that happened recently involved who else but the Seattle Mariners. They've been making a plethora of moves this offseason. They really uh, want to get something done. They do they? want to get something done, and everyone's kind of questioning them on what is it exactly they're trying to get it done. And I think we got a clear picture with this trade, so uh, let's go ahead and break it down for you. So first things first, the Mariners go ahead and make a trade with the Atlanta Braves, and they send, they send Luis Gohara and Thomas Bureaus to the Braves for Malik Smith, and Shea Simmons. Uh, what this basically means is that the Mariners sent one of their better pitching prospects in Gohara to the Braves. And what they tried, what they got out of it was a speedster in Malik Smith and Shea Simmons, who is a bullpen guy but throws really hard. He definitely had some injury troubles, had Tommy John surgery, actually. Um, but then we look at Gohara. Gohara for the Braves posted a 1.81 ERA and 81 strikeouts in just 69 innings last season. And he's just 20 years old. He's a product out of Brazil, too, which you don't always see. Look at that. Yeah, you don't always see Brazil more of a... It's usually a soccer. I was just going to say that. I was just going to say it's more of a soccer route. But the Brazil star coming out um, at just a young age, signed at 16 years old for $800,000. That's a lot of money for a 16-year-old kid coming out of Brazil. more than I make in a week. It's more than I make in years. And he, one of the biggest questions about him coming into this season was uh, his work ethic, which, you know what, I just want to go out there and say this right now. It's hard from an outside perspective to question someone's work ethic unless it is that obviously displayed. I hate when people go out there and say, oh, well, this guy doesn't work hard. He's never at the gym. Are you trying to say, who are you to tell me or to tell somebody else they're not working hard? Exactly. They're already made their way to a point where they've obviously had to work hard to get there. Well, we talk, we've talked about even the first two shows, though. Just because you've made it to pro ball doesn't mean you you, you still have to start working your tail off. No, Just absolutely. Continue to work your tail off. Absolutely, but my point is is that if you are going to go out there and say, 
a guy's worth ethic. John Doe is his worth ethic is right. terrible. Okay. Then you better back that up with evidence. You better okay. show me footage of the whole team at the gym and Gohara not at the gym because so personal you don't testimony it, is not good enough for you. No, I want to hear it from the coaches. If a coach tells me his, he's questioning his work ethic, do you really think okay. a coach would throw his player under the bus course like not. that? Of course not. Besides, uh, there's a select few who would. Okay, but it still grinds your gears. It grinds my gears That's that fair. an analyst can go out there and say that. But anyways, regardless. They questioned his work ethic, and guess what he did? He came out there, he lost a few pounds because he was a bigger guy, and then he posted up those numbers this season. So clearly his work ethic is doing just fine. And or the, only imagine what he could do if he had better work ethic. But I do get what you're saying. The, uh, yeah, the well, proof is not in the pudding for, look, that, for that statement. He was He's 20 years old, and people were questioning right. him when he's 18, 19 years old. This is a kid. This is a guy who's still learning the process, still being coached, still sure. worrying, learning what kind of work ethic it takes to make it to the pros. And at this pace, he's doing okay, and I think the Atlanta Braves will coach him just fine, and he will absolutely find his way into the majors. So he is the biggest name coming out of this deal. Um, but And I'll touch a little bit on Thomas Burroughs also going to the Mariners, to the Braves. He was a closer, actually was a product out of the University of Alabama, Um same deal. He throws roll tide. Yeah, roll tide. Indeed. He didn't choose to play football. Yeah, he didn't play. No, no, no. But he, you know, he, he was a good pitcher, and he didn't really impress until his junior year, which is what ended up getting him drafted in the fourth round. Uh, like I said, late inning guy has the ability to strike out plenty, uh, but still has a lot to work, a lot of work to do. And the Braves are going to cook him up for a while. But hey, just an extra part of the trade. Gohara was the main part, but they grabbed Burrows as well um, because Shea Simmons, who's also a reliever, it's basically like they traded one for one for right. them there. It was a good trade because Shea Simmons having Tommy John surgery, uh, similar players, but Simmons, you know, you, you, you hate to take the risk when he's already had such an injury bug at a young age. But moving forward, here's what this is where it gets crazy, and this is why we're breaking it down. The Mariners, so they go make that trade for the with the Atlanta Braves, correct? Uh, about an hour later, I'm not even sure if it hit the hour mark. Um, the Mariners go to the Tampa Bay Rays and they make another trade, and guess who's involved in that trade? is the biggest part of the trade they got back from the Braves, Malik Smith. So they trade Malik Smith, Carlos Vargas, and Ryan Yarbrough for Drew Smiley yeah. from the Tampa Bay Rays. Southpaw. Southpaw pitcher who finally played basically a full season. And all 6'3", 190 pounds of him. All 6'3", yeah, you got that. But, you know, you know he, he's had a lot of questions, and, he, I mean, he's definitely proven that he's a major league pitcher. But to give up that many prospects, it was very obvious that the Mariners – were are now it looks like in a win no now mode and that's why this whole plan from day one is to get drew smiley because they're not going to go around turn around a trade an hour later after getting a top prospect like malik smith and give him away for a a left-handed pitcher not knowing what they were doing the entire time and really quick just if you don't know enough about malik smith um, he's obviously the big part of this deal going from one team to the next within an hour. What a, what a roller coaster ride it was for him. Uh, he's got lights out speed. This guy, you know, I'm going to go ahead and compare him to uh, Billy Hamilton. He's got that kind of speed. You know, he's going to steal you 50, even 60 bases a season if he can get on base. That's the thing with a lot of these players making contact. You know how I am with stolen bases now, too. I've been, I talked about it a lot in episode one. It's something that I want to see more of again. In the MLB, somebody just getting elected That's, into, no, no. into the Hall yeah. of Fame. Tim Raines. Why is Tim Raines in the Hall of Fame now? Because he stole a lot of bases. So, yeah, he basically averaged seventy bases a year in his first six seasons. Dan Collins loves him a base stealer. 
Well, then you're going to love you some Malik Smith because this guy's that's what he's there for. Uh, he plays, you know, decent. He's got a decent glove. He's not going to hit for power, as you could have guessed, but he does really need to work on his hitting. If he could get on base more, get, get his on-base percentage up there, this guy's a threat to steal every time he's at, at first base. And so. only imagine if he does. He can already steal a ton of bases with getting on base the amount of times he does currently. If he ups that, then you're really getting into trouble. Then you're also upping the amount of runs scored, you would assume. You Exactly. You, you would assume that, you know, that kind of plays hand in hand there. So in a nutshell, let's after all that chaos, right. this is how it breaks down. The Mariners give up Luis Gohara, Thomas Burrows, Malik Smith, Carlos Vargas, and Ryan Yarbrough, or Shea Simmons, and Drew Smiley. Five players. Okay, so the question I immediately have, we discussed this a little bit off air, all that for the Southpaw Drew Smiley. Hey, that's what it breaks down to. Right. I don't know if that's worth it. The question that I automatically have is, is that too much to give up just for Drew Smiley? But that's the statement. Am I wrong? Am I, am I, I don't think you're am wrong. Am I undervaluing Drew Smiley is the question I guess I have to ask myself now. No, I think we, we have a good idea of who Drew Smiley is. Okay. Um, and he's Do the, we? I, th- I think a decent idea. He's been in the, the league for a few years now. I know he's coming off his first full season where he was able to show what he's got and to be honest I wasn't too impressed but he definitely is a guy who could sit in the middle of rotation and get you some wins uh, there's no doubt about that but you know I mean we I didn't even touch on a couple of these guys 27 in five years it's is that worth it five mm, that's what it costs for pitching now that's what it that's costs insane. for pitching now you have to if you want a starting pitcher who's going to be able to play the entire season yeah, and be post, healthy. And be healthy and post some wins and strike out. I think Drew Smiley had over 175 strikeouts for last season. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, if you want that kind of guy now, you better be willing to give up a couple of your decent prospects. And Gohara clearly was a, a top prospect for them. He he was – I know he was top 10 for the Mariners. He'll definitely drop – he dropped definitely – He fanned 167 batters. 167. So almost 175 for Drew Smiley. And Gohara now, he's going to drop. The Braves have a plethora of prospects. So he drops to currently 12th. That could change um, for the Braves. But not only that, the Rays pull out a plethora of prospects for themselves. And I didn't even mention, really, Carlos Vargas and Ryan Yarbrough. Vargas. I think they made out in the deal. Yeah, I They're think, the ones who made out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, Vargas is a 17-year-old kid, out of, you know, so it's hard to really evaluate anything about him right now. While Ryan Yarbrough is a, another pitcher who could be a potential mid-of-the-rotation starter, uh, you know, I would say at best, but if they pan Yarbrough out to even be that, mm-hmm. you you kind of already done your job, haven't you? I, to, I would to, say To replace yes. Drew Smiley. Sure. That's going to take years. Don't Let's not get, get ahead of ourselves. But you're still the winner. You're still the winner. I think there's a clear winner, clear loser. I don't think I don't think this is a win-win situation necessarily. No, definitely not. Where it stands now, it seems like there's a winner in this trade and a loser. It does seem like that because let's ask let's you have to ask this question. Are the Mariners gonna make the playoffs finally this season mm-hmm. with, with these trades? And this is maybe a very bad type of mindset to have, but let's say the Mariners do go ahead and make the playoffs. Okay. You still have to look at it and say, okay, with the roster we have now, not only can we make the playoffs, but will we make a legitimate push? Nowadays, especially with the second wild card in there, you could form a decent enough team to squeak in there. And I know a lot of people will say, well, yeah, but once you squeak in there, anything can happen. But I want my team. When my team makes it to the postseason, 
I don't want to be the guy or the fan who says, hey, we snuck in there. Maybe now a miracle could happen. I want to be confident that, hey, my team can make a legitimate run. Or if they were to get bounced, it's because they got upset or something. I want them to be the favorite going in. That's just my. That might be a bad mindset to have. That's well, just the kind no, of mindset. No, that's the mindset every team should definitely have. Well, I think that's how you build. You don't want to build a team to just make the playoffs. I think you want to. You should want to build a team to make a legitimate playoff push. No, exactly. Once and, you're there, you know. I think Seattle fans are definitely going to think they are with Robinson Cano over there and Keen Keen Felix, who has definitely lost a little touch after last season. But we'll see what he's got coming up. You never know with him. Um, and we'll see see what these moves do for them. But at the end of the day, the Braves making a lot of moves, uh, able to pull Gohar out of that deal, and I think he's someone to look forward to. And for the Rays, they grab Malik Smith, and you know what? I think he fits the Rays' outfield perfectly. That's the kind of guy they need. Uh, yeah. The Rays are in the Rays are in a similar boat as the Braves as they try to improve and get younger. Um, and they made the exact move that they needed to make because. The reason I'm not worried about them getting rid of Drew Smiley is, as we know, the Rays have one of the best pitching uh, coaching staffs uh, around the league. And so they, they I'm not going to say they can brew anyone, but they have a better chance at making a young star who he should be uh, compared to other teams. And there you have it, Sam. Week in and week out, it seems there's always some kind of prospect news to talk about. Before we do transition into our one of our favorite segments, if not favorite in our early podcast, there was one more name we were kind of supposed to mention in that around the diamond. Maybe we'll mention him right now. Micah Johnson. As a yeah, Sox yeah, fan, I say, know. as a Sox fan, I say, who cares? We we can move on with the rest of the show without mentioning him. But I, I'll let you just throw his name out there one more time because he was involved in some transactions. It's the Braves again. The Braves pick him up uh, for a player to be named later. I mean, it's it's a no, it's no harm, no foul kind of move. You know, it doesn't cost them anything. Um, but Michael Johnson, being a young player, he's a speedster, role player at best, has already made his way from the Sox to the Dodgers to the Braves, and now you ask, why? Why yeah. at a young age? Oh, what a speedster. Three, three stolen bases in his 36 games with the Chicago White Sox in 2015. <laughs> Zero stolen bases in his seven games with the Dodgers last year. I'm a little... I'm over it with Micah Johnson. I don't know if that's I never just, said he was stealing the bases. I said he was actually fast. I, I don't know if that's just the coaching staff, any kind of coaching staff, putting the red light in his face. Maybe he should be more aggressive himself anyways, but I think that's enough that we have to say about Micah Johnson. Watch him just have an all-star caliber year now and just totally slap us in the face for just dusting him by. But regardless, it's time for three up, three down. And Sam, you're sticking with the National League. Mm-hmm. I hope you got some good names for me this I go sure around. Do. You always, you seem to always have some good names for me. I'm excited because when it transitions back over to me, I get to talk about somebody that I went to college with. Ah, how exciting! Yes. Well, I'm not that old yet. I was not, recently in college, yeah. believe it or not. <laughs> Somewhat recently. That's going to fly by yes, soon enough. It will. Well, as we promised, we're sticking with the Central again. If you if you haven't heard, I'm taking the National League. Dan's taking the American League. Uh, three up, three down, breaking down, trying to find who the obvious prospect is, who's the bust, and who's the diamond in the rough for all these organizations. And I have the Pittsburgh Pirates this week. And the obvious prospect, I'm going to start right there because to me this is just too good, Austin Meadows, the left-handed power hitter the Pirates have been looking forward to since they drafted him out of high school in 2013, ninth overall. A lot of teams look for that. Oh, and absolutely. Left-handed power hitter, that's, that was on the White Sox radar forever. That's something they always, always wanted, hence Jim Tomei and Adam Dunn. Look, when it comes to prospects, 
I think there's a reason to get more excited about these kind of hitters who continuously are improving rather than a pitcher who is may show some flashes, but pitching so much ifs and ands and anything can happen with them with injuries. I mean, I'm not saying like a power hitter can't get injured, of course, but the chances seem to there seem it just there seems to be there this uh, I don't know how to say it this list of hitters that have panned out who are obvious and Austin Meadows is one so of those you feel guys. Like the success rate is better. I, I do that's believe what you're trying to that's say. what yeah. I'm trying to say. Thank you. Uh-huh. I do believe the success rate is better, and I think you have a better chance of drafting a hitter out of the first round and him to pan out within a few years than you do a pitcher. But Austin Meadows. Uh, he did get invited to spring training, which is extremely exciting for the Pirates because he might finally be ready to make that next move, and he's been doing that every year. He's consistently been moving up since drafted. Uh, he's gone, has had a 266 average, a 333 on base percentage with 12 home runs between AA and AAA, and the Pirates have big plans for this guy. They absolutely do. Um, I think a lot of people are going to question me here because one of the other obvious prospects for the Pirates is Tyler Glasnow, uh, the pitcher who actually we did get a small taste of in the majors last season. Um, but, but like I said, you like hitters. This but the, 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 that, like, that is why like I brought hitters. it up. That's why I brought this it up because I was getting to that point. Yeah. Um, I, 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 don't get me wrong. I love pitching, but when I, you did two pitchers last episode, I did. I did. Mm-hmm. But when Austin Meadows comes out and he's that kind of talent, and when he improves that much each year, he's the obvious prospect for the Pirates. So be looking out for him in 2017 to hit the majors. I would say and okay. make some moves. I'll buy my tickets. You should tickets, but now know. let me go. To, let's let's get a little opposite here. Let's go to the bus. Um, this one was a little hard because the pirates definitely have traded away a lot of their bus, and mm. as you know, well that's smart. That goes that's, that is smart. That's absolutely smart. So I, I did find a guy though, Wyatt Matheson. He was a second round pick in 2012. Uh, this was hard for me to call him a bust. It was because he's one of those people who's hit the injury bug as well. But when he's played, he's done okay. He's, if it's injury he's related, okay. it still counts. To me, that still counts. You know, he, if you're he only highly played, touted and you're injury plagued, that's that's what it is. Yeah, I mean, he was he was a great high school player out of, in Texas. Uh, actually, pitched good a lot pedigree. in high school, which pedigree, yeah. isn't too surprising. You know, when you're that of a star-studded prospect, you tend to play just about everything in high school. Um, and he only played 36 games last year. And the reason I, the main reason I made him the Pirates bust is because as a second-round pick in 2012, he's still in single-A advance. So the Pirates clearly are hesitant to move him up, and he's been in single-A advance for a few years now. And his rookie year, 2012, he actually moved up pretty quick from the rookie league to single-A, but then all of a sudden they put a halt on him. Maybe they're pumping the brakes because of the injuries is what I'm thinking. That's absolutely what it's got to be yeah. because it's, it's not as if the Pittsburgh Pirates are extremely deep at the catcher position. Right. They're not. And... So that's why he's got to be the bust today. I'm sorry, Wyatt Matheson, but I did want to mention this. A lot of people are going to like this one. Uh, I <laughs> I would have went this guy, but circumstances uh, of our rules did not count. But I have to mention him. The Pirates actually drafted Mark Appel in 2012 as well. Ooh. And he was their first-round pick. And they picked him eighth overall. Sam dropping names on oh, the show. Oh, man. This, it just Early cr- in episode three, it cracks me up. Names. So Mark Appel... As an eighth-round pick, or excuse me, eighth-overall pick, you would think that, oh, well, he's going to sign, right? He did not well, sign. That's good money. And the Pirates wasted their eighth-overall pick 
in 2012 on Mark Appel. And then all of a sudden... And that's good money. But you know what? It worked for Appel. It did. Because guess what? He goes back to Stanford. He's an amazing pitcher. And then he gets picked, as we know, first overall, ahead of Chris Bryant, by the way, by the Houston Astros. That is a ton of confidence in yourself, and that's still rolling the dice a little bit because you could have had a nice payday, but instead you choose to go back to school... You 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 know you feel you're obviously you're gonna you have faith that you're gonna stay healthy and you're gonna keep performing and like you said it worked out for him so kudos to him you go yeah hey, hey you go yeah. boy he's ma- he's making money that's all that matters yeah. right now I gotta go to the diamond in the rough uh, for the Pirates plenty of prospects to talk about but I want to talk about this guy in particular he's a newer player to the Pittsburgh Pirates very young guy Braden Ogle a left-handed pitcher drafted in the fourth round of the 2016 draft. He was committed to play at the University of Florida, actually, until the Pirates said, hey, don't go to Florida and we'll give you, say, $800,000 to sign right now. And then (laughs) let me tell you about this guy. Braden Ogle has a fastball that could start a game at 96, 97 miles an hour, but it tends to tail off as he continues to pitch. As his pitch count rises up, he tends to fall down to 95, 94, even 93 at times. Oh, because that's terrible. No, I mean, I'm not saying that's terrible, but that's something to look at. Right. Because those are the kind of guys that are going to blow all their arm out like that. Those young pitchers who are giving it all they've got those first couple innings, and then they just their arm can't hang with it. Just and they to be a new alarm in like three years or whatnot. Exactly. So the Pirates have to take their time with this guy. He's my diamond in the rough, but if you don't brew him, you don't take the time in the majors, give him four or five years of coaching, what he needs, then it's not going to work out. But if they do it right, and you know, I have faith in the Pirates, I think they can, um, he's going to end up having a fastball that is strikeout, has a strikeout ability to it and then he also has a hard curveball as well and adds a change up to the mixes of course as well so this is the kind of guy that the pirates can be patient with coach him up he gains more control and is consistent the pirates found themselves i would say a third starting pitcher a second if he can really blossom into what he can be and that is my three up three down for the pirates so dan i'm gonna hand it over to you He's on the Minnesota Twins, everyone. Yes. And now that you give me the car keys for so I can start driving this three up, three down, I have to start with the diamond in the rough. Is that fair? Can I start you with the start, diamond in the rough? You can start wherever you want. I like saving that guy for last, but if you want you want to show him and who's that is, the diamond in the rough well, now, you do it. Well, that's because he is the man from down under. Okay. This is Lachlan Wells, who was the 28th rated prospect in the Minnesota Twins system. Three-pitch pitcher. Fastball, curveball, changeup. So... Pretty average, pretty average with his three pitches, but is it fair to say that I just love the fact, one, that he's from Australia, two, he looks just as nerdy as I do. He has these (laughs) thick black glasses that he has like in his picture any kind of he's image. got those gagne googles yeah so like those gagne googles they're not even no they're not like the goggle looking things they're legitimate glasses kind of like the ones that i wear and he is five foot eight so guy. he's not tall like he's 165 pounds probably wet he seems pretty <laughs> he's a pretty thin individual five foot eight though that is pretty short but in the game of baseball they come in all different shapes and sizes he does have a 45 fastball 50 curveball you know me i like breaking down whatever the scout ratings are so 45 fastball 50 curveball ladies and gents he has a 55 changeup. control rates in at 55 45 overall so a little bit a below average to start out he is only 19 years old he is a southpaw though so you know lefties this is a left-handed game he is six and four 
his career in A-ball with the Minnesota Twins. 177 Ernie in his 71 and a third innings pitched. 63 strikeouts, 16 base on balls. I think that's pretty good. That's Is that not fine? Bad. Yeah, it's not bad. You're, you're going to accept that as a legitimate diamond in the rough? He's from Australia, so I feel like you have to. You have no choice. <laughs> Yeah, well, we'll we'll see what what the Australian product can do though. And he's a lefty, and it's now kind of, he, he seems like one of those guys that uh, needs to hit the weight room a little bit for one, and needs to gain command and be able to take years of patience from the Twins. I'm going to go to a name that's going to tick some Twins fans off. It is Hudson Boyd. You might remember him for uh, he was suspended 50 games a couple years back for violating drug abuse policies for the second time he is no longer in baseball uh so the last time he last time he pitched was in 2014 that was a ball for minnesota the cedar rapids of course he was four and four that year 4.34 era and and that was in 58 innings pitch he gave up 52 hits and 28 earned runs in those 58 innings he was a first round pick selected 55 overall in the 2011 draft, he's been out of baseball since 2014. It's going to take me to the number one, the first sure pick, and I hope I'm right about this. I feel a little biased, but I'm going with Tyler J., the left-handed pitcher out of the University of Illinois. And I actually got to see him pitch quite a few times, and you're going to remember this one, Sam. 2015, he was playing a super regional game. He was trying to take Illinois. He was trying to put him on his back and take them to the College World Series, but they lost to a team called Vanderbilt, which I'm sure a lot of you listeners know of. And that same day, immediately after the game, I don't think it was even 15, 20 minutes after the game, Tyler J., Carson Fulmer, and Dansby Swanson were all selected in the first round. Top 10 picks, all three of those were. Dansby Swanson obviously being number one, Tyler J., six, and then Carson Fulmer to my Chicago White Sox. Uh, he was drafted eighth overall in that 2015 draft. Uh, in case you were wondering, Tyler J, awesome fastball, clocks in. Um, the scouting grade, that is, obviously not the MPH. He could throw in the 90s, mid to high 90s. Uh, his fastball is coming in at 65. Curveball, 50s, developing a really nice slider at 65. Changeup, 50. Control, 55. And overall, 55. So he is, I imagine, especially with the Minnesota Twins, they're not necessarily uh, one of the best teams in the American League, you could say. So perhaps you will be seeing Tyler J within the next few seasons he is five and five uh career in the minors that's a 333 ernie uh he's still trying to get things together out there 77 k's and 26 base on balls so tyler J, who is in double a now chattanooga lookouts the lookouts that's a pretty nice name the lookouts so we have tyler J, hudson boyd and then the man from down under lachlan wells and by the way one more quick thing about lachlan wells the five foot eight glasses-wearing left-handed pitcher. I looked up an article. You know I like to look up these articles, Sam. This was posted back in 2014 from the Newcastle Herald. And it has a quote in here from Wells saying, this is a dream that I've had since I was a little kid, and it's finally coming true. And I don't know why reading that quote, it's I mean, that's what they all say, but to me it means something different. When you're somebody from Australia, that far away, it's like, oh, so you grew up in Australia and your dream was always to play in Major League Baseball. No, that's a good point. I think that's a great point. I mean, it, I don't doubt it, but it's just cool. It, no, it is. It's kind of interesting because we talked about the Brazilian guy earlier, Gohara, Gohara. Yeah. And now all of a sudden we're talking about the Australian guy. So, they're, you know, baseball is a worldwide sport, and that just goes to prove it. And that's going to wrap up Episode 3. Before we do wrap it up, 
completely, though, we are going to give you the Twitters, the Facebooks, and going to let you know what you can look forward to come Episode 4, which we'll be bringing it home, Sam. We're on third base now. Episode 4, we're going to be bringing it home. Yeah, we are going to bring but it home. before we close out, you know, I always throw it over to Sam because he's going to let you know. You could Facebook us, or if you want to be, what was, um, what was it, what was it, Insta Chat? Snap face. Snap, well, that, the hood, <laughs> that the hoodie was calling it. Belichick, Belichick. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah well, I don't, I don't, I'm not too into that. And so we don't, oh, from it's, what it's I know, chat, Diamond the face. Rock does not have an instant chat or snap face either, Sam. We don't have a snap face, do no, we? No, we don't. We no. do have a Facebook. We do have, we do a, have Facebook. a Twitter. You're yep. going to tell us all about that, and you're going to tell the listeners what to look forward to in episode four of the diamond in the rough podcast absolutely so first things first go follow us go like us facebook we are the we diamond have an in the email. Rough. we do even have an yes. email we're getting there diamond the rough podcast on facebook if you're looking for us on twitter Mama, is I made at it. diamond podcast and of course if you want to send us an email i'm gonna say it every week if you want to just ask a question send us your thoughts tell us what you thought about the podcast please we want all we want all responses. Um, you can do find us at Diamond in the Rough Podcast at gmail.com. And of course, you go on to the next episode, which we're going to finally start going by a week by week basis now that we're going to get these first yes. three out to all of you. Hope you've enjoyed them in the meantime. Look out, the top 100 list is coming out. The yeah. brand new top 100 prospect list from MLB Pipeline is coming we out. We want to talk about that, don't we? Y'all, absolutely. Okay. We couldn't be any more excited about it. And we are going to have a new segment. We don't have a name for it just yet, but we're going to basically be breaking down this top 100, this brand new top 100. We're going to start from number 100. Dan and I are each going to take a prospect. Next episode, he'll take number 100. I'll take number 99. We're going to tell you why they're on there, what you should look forward to, and if they are actually going to pan out to be a top prospect or, as some might say, a diamond in the rough. So look forward to that. It's going to be a lot of fun. They already started coming out with a bunch of the top 10s. And have have you liked the list so far, Dan? I loved it. Yeah, I they, loved it. They, yeah, no, there's some great names on there. They, they came out with, with the right-handed pitchers, the left-handed pitchers, the White Sox farm system. Uh, catchers, and first baseman so far. And you're right, uh, three big name pitchers came from the Sox organization are on the top ten list for the right-handed pitchers in Giolito, uh, Ronaldo Lopez, and Michael Kopic. Okay. People we've already talked about. There's actually a lot of players we've already talked about on some of these top ten, which is exciting. Uh, but we're gonna get to all that. Make sure to tune in next time to the Diamond in the Rough podcast. Go follow us. Go like us, Facebook, Twitter. And as we said, send us an email, your thoughts, your questions, Diamond in the Rough podcast at gmail.com. We'll see you next time.